Welcome back to the 150K Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Graham, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Today, I'm with Richard Pierce, CEO of CEO at Rickshire.com, which is a digital marketing agency. They do e-commerce, a lot of stuff online. Uh, Richard is a sales expert, so grab a pen, get some water, get a drink of your choice, sit back and relax, because here we go. Hey, Richard. Um, thank you again for coming on my podcast. I really appreciate it. I know we connected, I think, through some other podcasting groups and all, but a lot of people that are following may not know you as much. So if you could give us a little bit of your background and um, your business and, and what you do, like in the digital marketing space, in the online world, however you want to formulate that. Sure. Well, being in business for 25 years, I've got a lot I can talk about. So let me just think about how I can do that uh, briefly. Otherwise, we'll be here for some hours. A lot's happened in 25 years. And I, I got into the whole digital marketing thing uh, back in 1995. So this was before the days of Google, before the days of Amazon. And it all came about by accident. I was working in retail uh, in Sydney in a store that sold uh, home electronics. And I loved the product, but sales, retail sales, I knew wasn't going to be my long-term uh, journey and I was looking for what that path might be and the owner of the store actually came to me and said oh you've been messing about with this internet thing I think that's something we should get into now back then it wasn't called digital marketing they were just websites and so I had to just learn and lots of trial and error uh, I found out how to build a website and see there was no training back then there was absolutely right. nothing and so in fact very little software and so I just had to learn as we went and we built uh, one of the first uh, retail websites, not just in Sydney, but probably in the world. And suddenly we were on the web and people were finding us and making inquiries. And I loved it. And I thought, oh yeah, this is for me. And so after working sort of part-time on that and part-time in the store for a little while, I went off and uh, started my own business and did that for about uh, 16 and a half years. And way back then, boy, was business easy. And I thought, why didn't I start this earlier? And it was only because I was in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. uh, the phone would ring, I'd pick it up. Someone would say, I need a website. I'd say, uh, okay, this is how much it is. I got the sale and went on. And I thought, this is easy. Uh, and of course, times changed. As it became more and more uh, competitive, and real agencies came on board, I found myself um, stuck because I didn't know really how to run a business and employ staff. And so um, Michael Gerber talks about this in the E-Myth, uh, about how businesses sort of get to a point where the founder uh, gets stuck and mm. is trying to do everything. And, and I very much uh, fell down into that trap. And so I, I employed a couple of people, and then I put a couple of people off, and then I'd employ a couple of people, and it was all a bit of a mess. And after about 16 and a half years of doing that, I decided I'm a bit tired of that. And an opportunity came along to do some online training. And so there was a, a piece of software called Joomla, which used to be the content management system. It was bigger than WordPress for quite some time. Uh, and so I started teaching people how to use that and gave away the development or digital marketing side for quite some time. Uh, and then did that for some years, really enjoyed that, built up quite a nice business, found that I was a good trainer and then went through all the, the standard sort of hurdles with life, with marriage, with kids. And then we hit a major life hurdle, which I can discuss a bit uh, as a separate topic, if you like. Uh, and that has been really brutal. Uh, it 
meant that because I hadn't set the business up to work without me, uh, it meant that the business collapsed. And I'm sitting here now after being self-employed, working from home from 25 years at the age of 50, uh, really as a startup again, and taking all that experience that I've got and putting it into a slightly new direction with training. And so that's the work side of my background, Joe. No, that's, that's, there's a lot there. That's awesome. And we definitely will get to the, the, the part. So let's start in the beginning. So you started out doing digital marketing or website development in like, for lack of a better term, to AOL days where the, you still yes. had the little and everything that popped up. Um, and so you did that for 16 years and it sounds like you went through that whole transition. What made you think about the training of people? Because I know that's mm. a big key thing now, but back then it probably wasn't as much as it did people just start asking you for help or how did you get into the training mm. aspect? So there was a couple of things. Uh, I guess the big life lesson there is not to ignore what you're good at. So back at school, uh, at the school I went to, we had a thing that in Australia is called cadets. It was technically air cadets. Now, I don't know if there's an equivalent in the US. It's not a military school. It was just a thing that we did on, on Monday afternoons where, uh, in my case, it was air cadets. And it was funded by the Royal Australian Air Force uh, to help boys and girls who are interested in aircraft and the Air Force oh, nice. uh, learn more about it. And I really embrace that. And as part of the training for that, uh, we were taught how to teach. And I found I was just really good at that. But I kept thinking, so what? I don't want to be a teacher. Right. And I had a very narrow uh, view of what teaching meant. And I thought teacher meant a teacher at a school. And so I kind of repressed that for quite some time, but I really enjoyed it. When I was doing the web development, I found that of all the stages of building a website, getting the client, I mean, I, I did quite like the sales side, building the sites, didn't enjoy that so much. But then teaching the client at the end, I loved that part. But again, I kind of ignored that until an opportunity came up where there was a website for sale. Uh, somebody had actually started this Joomla training thing. And I, I thought, you know what, I know a bit about this Joomla thing and actually quite enjoy doing the training. Why not give that a go? And I took that from uh, almost nothing to putting, you know, times text, times 10 uh, on the revenue within about a year and thought, oh, yeah, this is me. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. And it, it's funny because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the teaching thing for a moment. I actually went to like college to be a teacher and realized how much money they would make. I'm mm. here in the States and I don't know what the yep. differences are around the world. And I was like, no, I don't like that. I, I want to be able to make more and do more things. And now it's funny because I do sales training and I love the teaching aspect, but I think it's just finding the, the right niche for you and the right way to do it. You don't have to just teach in the classroom. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. And I, I didn't see that. I didn't see that there's this whole world of uh, adult education and, so, yes, I wish I had pursued that a bit earlier. But anyway, it's come to what it has. And uh, I'm really enjoying doing that, that side now. I have a YouTube channel where I put lots of tutorials up. And again, without even understanding how YouTube worked in the early days, we've attracted over 18,000 subscribers. And without me sitting there at the end and saying, now make sure you like and subscribe now, it's just happened organically. So awesome. I re really enjoy that. Yep. Yeah. So it sounds like you, you have a, a really good skill set. With, with being able to take a concept and maybe making it simple to where people can understand it, mm -hmm. um, you know, through web design, through now doing the YouTube channels, there would be tons of people I know that would love to have 18,000 subscribers. So when you say organically there, that perks my interest a little bit. Now, did you just 
keep putting videos out and putting the right like hashtags or whatever in it? Or how did you grow that to 18,000 people organically without oh, asking? Because most people I know ask. Uh, I, I would love to say it's because I'm a genius and I mastered the algorithm, but the truth was again, right place, right time. So in the very early days of content management systems, people were super hungry to learn how to use this thing. And the documentation was terrible. Um, I hate saying that because some volunteer has sat there and spent hours and hours, probably hundreds of hours of putting it together, but it's been put together by somebody who really understands the software as opposed to me, who's looking perhaps from a non-technical uh, mm. approach. And I was able to just hit that market. People were searching for it. Uh, it was a fluke. I've had lots of disasters in my time with business, but that was one that I got right despite myself. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it was just that there was a need and there wasn't much out there. And yes, I did put stuff up all the time, but uh, there wasn't much there. And so people were looking for it. It was again, like the early days of web design where I kept thinking business is easy. Uh, I just happened to be there and the demand was there. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like you found the right niche when it happened. So like with the web design, when you did that, and then also with the YouTube channel, you had at least enough of the technical skill and enough of the market to understand, okay, cool, I'm gonna try this. And it seemed to work out in your favor with that, which is actually, mm. I mean, I don't know if you can teach that, but if you could learn how to teach that, I think you would have like clients forever. Like, I mean, I would, I would sign up for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, there's nothing outstanding that I can teach, but again, I guess it's just, you know, follow the, the, follow the trends, mm -hmm. uh, you know, look for the, where the demand is. So if you're selling uh, solar panels in Australia at the moment, there's an enormous demand for solar. Yep. Uh, that's the, the sales area to be in. So I guess when I have made mistakes over the, the years and I've released things, it's been because I've thought it was a good idea rather than there was a need for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and sales is need-based. If you're doing sales of stuff people need, it's awesome because you can sell all day long because you're solving a problem. As long as you're ethical, moral, and treat them correctly, people will buy from you, you know, and then they'll send you their friends and stuff. So, no, that makes, that makes perfect sense. So, you were 16 years doing the digital marketing, building websites and stuff, and then the market kind of shifted. And then you moved into a new territory. And that's when you started doing the training. Um, and also, how long did you do the training for again? Before I know you had the, the, the incident that happened, but. Yeah, so that, things were going well for uh, about six years. And so all up now, it's been more like 14 years that I've been doing the training. So for a while, I, I did both. And I found it very difficult to balance doing training with development. So that's why I gave the development up for some time. Uh, so yeah, about six years before we kind of hit a hurdle. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I think, because you had mentioned this earlier too, that with, um, you know, balancing being the CEO and hiring people and having people do stuff and scaling Maybe you can give us some insight on that as well. It sounds like, you know, you, you've tried to scale a few different times with your businesses and all. Are there like some things that you would look for with scaling a business online to again? Because I know some people will get too far ahead of themselves. Yes. So one of the difficult things with the particular training that I was doing uh, was that it was all me and it was hard to get help that would help to scale the business. Uh, the nature of software training is that you need to keep it up to date often. Mm -hmm. And so just as soon as you'd finished one, it was already uh, out of date. Outdated, yeah. And you can get around that to some extent, uh, but 
that was quite a challenge. So no, it's not a good business to, to scale in that sense. However, I think that I've now got a model that will work. I guess the hardest thing when it comes to the training side is getting people who are as passionate as you mm -hmm. uh, to be able to spend the time and have the empathy and insights of your customers that I've got. That, that's hard. It, the, the nature of it is hard. It's not like we're making widgets and you can just get a factory and scale up. Yeah, no, no. Because you're, you're getting people to buy into you training them on a product or service and you're getting them to invest money in you. It's not like, hey, I'm buying a new phone that everyone has. It's a, hey, I'm going to train you how to do this. So you have a group of people and then you have to get that group of people to actually, you know, buy into what you're doing. So no, that makes sense because I deal with that for sure. Yeah, so I would equate it perhaps to a business like being an architect. Uh, and I've been conscious of this for some years, and that's why I'm, I'm trying to, in the, the second half of my working life, uh, now trying to build a business that will work without me and that will have some value at the end. Uh, if you're buying an architect service, then you really are buying the architect. And I don't want that business. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would say that that would be really important thing to look at from the outset a lot of a lot of people say don't they that when you start a business you actually should be thinking about the exit as much as the start and so that's not my focus but it's certainly high on my list at the moment mm -hmm. no no that makes sense like with me developing my sales business i'm not looking to exit it but i'm looking at the end in mind where do i want to take the customer what do i want to do mm. what can i do that's going to be helpful to them but they don't have to rely just on me because like with you richard you're one person. I'm one person. I can only help so much. And I want them to take, you know, what I can give them and expand and grow and become, you know, the people they need to be. Um, so you you did uh, training and then you said you came to a point where the system was set up where you had your, you had to be there all the time, for lack of better terms. And then life happens and you had a major event happen. And then so now you're kind of, if, if I remember correctly, you're like in a rebranding stage. Um, with this new training program? Yeah, it's a little beyond rebranding. Uh, it's a whole new approach to training through that, if you like. Uh, and part of that certainly will be to build a business that will work without me. So um, I'm happy to share some sort of figures to give you an idea of what you can make with online training. So when things, as I put it, were going well, we at one point for a couple of months, we're hitting $15,000 a month in sales. Mm -hmm. And that was with me and one other person. And so that was pretty good, but the business still wasn't solid. It might've looked nice financially, yep. uh, but it wasn't solid because when we, we hit this life crisis, uh, it meant that I couldn't be there. And so, and it wasn't like a, an overnight thing. It just kind of gradually drifted away. Yep. Uh, I've heard an expression that a business going sideways is a business going backwards. And so for a while I thought, that's okay. We can just sit there and it will hum along, but no, you can't. Uh, and so unless you're continually looking at growth, uh, you, you can run into a lot of trouble. So yes, we, we hit that hurdle and, and maybe that's sort of the time to elaborate on that a little bit more. So we had had a, when I say we, my family uh, had had a challenging uh, beginning to having kids. We were initially told couldn't have any kids. And then we ended up having four kids. Yeah, and cool. number three, when he was four years old, uh, he got cancer, got leukemia. And this was obviously uh, a shock. And without going into the, the whole story, I'll just say that it's brutal and it broke everyone in the family. 
anyone who's been unfortunate to go through all of this or who knows somebody who has will understand that it's not a typical uh, life crisis. It's, it fully embraces you. You find yourself screaming, I didn't ask for this. It mm -hmm. makes you question your whole worldview and lots of other things. And one of the other big surprises was that when it was over and it's two years of treatment, uh, was that we thought, great, finally, oh, it's over. But no, uh, when you get to the end of uh, a significant crisis like that, suddenly your body kind of has permission to collapse and reflect. And so that mental uh, challenge continues after the event. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was a very serious thing, but I'm also, as I'm saying this, conscious that others have gone through much worse. So I don't want to paint it out as being the worst thing that can happen in the world, but it was, it was brutal. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm happy to say that our boy, Charlie, who's actually sitting in the background doing some, some schoolwork at the moment, uh, came through and was one of the lucky ones who survived. But oh, know, we so went to funerals. Good. We went yeah. to funerals. And it's a, a really indescribably difficult journey. It's lonely. People abandon you. And so, yeah, you question a lot of things about life. And it's, it's hard to pick up from all of that. And it's taken quite some years uh, to get to a point where I say, I'm really hungry again and I, I want to work and, uh, and build something and serve people. Yeah, no, 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 that makes a lot of sense, Richard. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine. Like, I mean, I, my wife has had a cousin that's had a child that's gone through something similar to that with cancer and stuff. And it's definitely just even from the outside, I, I agree with you. That's, I, I'm glad that you guys are through it. I'm glad that he's better. And I'm glad that you're starting to get that hunger again. So I commend you for that. Um, I mean, that's definitely a hard uh, road to walk through. It, it is, and I'm still... Uh, hopeful that some good will come from that. I don't know what that looks like. Uh, I mean, I hate that expression, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. For some reason, it, it grates with me, but there is some truth to it. I mean, we are changed. There is a part of us that's changed for the better. Uh, I already was, I think, more resilient than most, more empathetic than most, but that's certainly been uh, amplified as a result mm. of that. And so to borrow a line from Rotary, uh, they use the line, you know, service above self. And so I'm quite keen to serve. That's why I use that word, because you've got to give before you get. Uh, I mean, that's a sales thing, Joe. Yep, yep. Uh, and so that's that's where I'm at at the moment. Yeah. No, no. I, and, and I love that. Like, I love that fact that even though you guys had to go through that whole process, and I say you guys because I know it's the whole family, um, you know, you're to the point now to where you're still like, okay, cool, we're past this point. Now we're going to start this new endeavor with your business, which you've started. And now you're like, okay, cool. I want to have more freedom, more time. So I don't want it to be just me doing the work. And now you're creating a system that if you are not there right at the beginning, you're like you're architecting it, like you mentioned, to where this can run and help people even after, like say, you're not in the picture as much. And I think that's my biggest lesson now is that you really, and I've already said this three times, you really do need to build a business that will work without you because if you haven't had your crisis yet, it's coming. And if you're one of the few who don't have much difficulty in life, then fantastic. Think of how many people that you can help when your business does well. Yep. And I love like your whole attitude with it. So the way I do sales is it's all about the customer. It's all about helping them, doing what I can to, you know, like you mentioned the word, serve them. And if I can't give them the right product or service with what I do, I'll refer them to people that will because I know mm. that will come back to me. Um, mm. 
and all. But yeah, I want to dig in a little bit on designing a business that works for you and the online space. Because again, mine is more, I've been in corporate America for 15 years. Um, I have done some stuff online, but how are you building a business with what you train where it doesn't rely on your, like, can you open that up a little bit more? Well, I'm not at that point yet, but the goal is that I will eventually have some other trainers who I can find. I mean, it's a big mm -hmm. world. There will be people out there. And the nature of what I do means they don't have to be here in Australia, of course. They can be anywhere in the world yep. who also love the topic, who are good trainers or are willing to learn. Uh, that's when I then take that next step and I'm able to teach them. I'm still hopeful to uh, be able to have direct interaction with customers. But if uh, let's hope not another crisis comes our way, then I would be able to take a, a back step and, uh, and be a little bit less hands-on and still have the business survive. One of the other ways is I do actually have a couple of workers now and they're based in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. So I can uh, share some insights into what offshore work looks like, the pros and cons of that. Uh, so that helps a lot as well. It means that I'm not doing all the day-to-day -day stuff. Uh, there's some work that I quite enjoy doing that I'm just happy to give up. Mm -hmm. So I'm not doing a lot of the direct development work, uh, which is great. That means I can concentrate more on sales and project management. Yeah, no, that's good. And we're not done, but I always like to do this in the middle because, you know, people drop off at the end. So if you can tell people where they can find you and find some of your training, and I think you mentioned when we were talking beforehand, that you have like a possible free training that they could even check out? Yeah, so if you're sitting there thinking, you know what, I've wanted to go into this online training world, but I really don't know where to begin because there's a lot to it. And we'll talk a bit about that. But to answer the first, say, seven questions, I'm putting a course together at the moment called You Can Teach. And the idea of this is to take you from where you might be right now, which is saying, oh, you know, can I do this? To... I can do this. So this is a, uh, a free seven-day course that I'm putting together. And you can find that at siteskills.com forward slash Joe. So if you go there, siteskills.com forward slash Joe, you'll be able to sign up uh, for that. And I will give you access to that as soon as it's done. So in that, I'll be answering questions such as, uh, you know, getting yourself into the right mindset, what you should be teaching, what equipment you might need. Do you have the right skills? Do you have the right time, amount of time? Do you have, how much money does it cost to be able to put something like this together? How much money can you make? So all of those initial questions that people generally ask me when they consider, you know, could I actually do this thing? So that's siteskills.com forward slash Joe. Perfect. And where can they find you online in general? Or is that just where everyone should go? Uh, so siteskills.com is the site that we're putting together. This is the one that I've been using over a number of years. So if you arrive there now, I would equate that to coming into my house in the middle of a spring clean. So it's all a bit of a mess at the moment. There's bits and pieces here and there. So I really am uh, at, in the early stages of rebuilding all of that. But yes, that's my site. I'm also happy to take an email. Uh, I know that that can be a bit risky, uh, but you can write to me, Richard at sitestills.com if you happen to be sitting there saying i can't wait for this i need to do something now uh you're welcome to get in touch with me that way as well no that's awesome that's awesome and then i thought of something because you mentioned this you were saying that at one point with your business in the in the past you were making fifteen thousand dollars a month or around there like on some months but it wasn't i don't want to use the word sustainable but like if actually if you weren't involved it wasn't working was that mm. was it the cost of and I guess I'm trying to formulate like this. Was it with the money you were making there, it just started to dwindle because you weren't being able to be as engaged in that business or was it a process or 
it was a number of things. So at that point, to be fair, we were offering a good discount. And so that was what got people over the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not sustainable. And it was also because we were the software itself was going through a bit of a change and I was genuinely putting the price up. Uh, and so that also got people over the line. Uh, but then when I wasn't producing more content all the time, yes, people eventually found it stale and uh, were losing interest. Plus, it was market conditions. So Joomla was rapidly losing market share to WordPress. And we could talk for the pros and cons between the two for hours. Uh, the retail store that I, I mentioned that I worked for was actually Sony. And so I should have learned this lesson the first time around. I joined that store. Now, people much younger than us, Joe, won't understand this. Uh, but when the VHS versus Betamax wars were going yep. on. Yep. So, yep. Okay, so just for those who don't know, uh, Sony invented a video format called Betamax or Beta, most people call it B-E-T-A. And it was used in broadcast. It was by far the superior quality product by far however jvc who came along with vhs which we would laugh at and call very horrible system um they got the content out there they they got into the video stores they had um, masses amounts of videos versus beta and content always wins good content always wins uh and so they won that war and so it's not a dissimilar uh, i'm going to get really uh, attacked from people I know uh, for for saying this, but the the Joomla software is far superior to WordPress, far superior, but um, WordPress has marketed themselves far, far better uh, and has got that market share and has taken it over. So I should have got into that world sooner, but at the time that I should have been making that decision was again, kind of when we went through our challenges. And so I feel a little bit late to the party and I'm starting to, wonder if I've answered your question. Um, that, that's why it wasn't sustainable. So yes, it was a number of things. No, and, and that's fine. That makes sense. Um, so now going forward with your training and stuff that you're doing now and with the experience you've had, because you've been in this business for 25 years uh, and the fact that you've been in the online world for 25 years, what um, what wisdom would you share with my, my mm. podcast listeners on it? Like pros, cons, like just little tidbits that maybe they, they just wouldn't get because, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. Sure. So specifically online training, I guess the biggest thing to be aware of is that self-paced on-demand training, I'm going to say, doesn't work. And the reason I'm saying this is that studies have been done over a number of different uh, course creators to discover what the course completion rates are like. Now, completing a course to me is only part of the goal. It's really, have you taken action as a result of learning what you've learned? But if we say measure success uh, as a trainer, as course completions, that is those who have watched all your videos or read all your material, it's less than 14%. Mm -hmm. And so course creators are effectively saying, fantastic, Uh, 86% of people didn't finish my course. And I'm just shocked by that. Now, I've done a small amount of classroom training and I much prefer it in a way because even though that's harder to scale, uh, you're getting that instant feedback. You're able to give people uh, responses straight away. And so this has bothered me for the last couple of years. And I thought, when I pick this up again, I need to take a different direction. So I would encourage anybody who's thinking of doing their own online training uh, to consider ways to do it beyond just a bunch of videos that you stick into a learning management system. Mm-hmm. For me, that's going to look like 
a solution that I'm calling do it together. So rather than do it yourself, where you'll always hit hurdles or you won't complete the course or hiring an agency to do it, which as I know with my digital marketing can cost thousands, yep. trying to find a bit of a hybrid solution, which I'm calling DIT, do it together, which will consist of a little bit of training, uh, some live training, some software where applicable, but also some development. And this is where my team comes in. So I can put some self-paced training up, but it will be accompanied by a weekly session to make sure that I can answer questions. Uh, and also we will do some of the trickier stuff for people as we go along. So uh, that's the approach we're taking and whether that's the approach everyone should take will depend on their subject matter. But I would be really cautious about just expecting to put a bunch of courses up and selling them and then hoping for the best really easy to scale and you can make a fortune a lot of people have uh, with that approach but if you're passionate about actually seeing change then i think you need to take it a step further yeah i would agree with you so like i've done a few free live trainings and then i was work i'm working on a sales course right now but i want it to have that authentic factor because i don't want people just to go through and only like 14 percent of people watch the videos and no one take action i'd rather have live training or group coaching or just different stuff with it to help enhance because i learn better that way too because if you send me a video thing i'll watch the first video i get excited i start watching the second video i'm like i'm not as excited now and because it's not the interaction like you know if you were in a room and you're teaching it at the end you say hey do you guys have any questions People are engaged and they're staying because now they can ask the experts the questions. But if it's a video, then you got to reach out and you may or may not. Yeah. And it's sometimes amazing what those questions are. You, you think, surely you would have already known that. And so I wouldn't have put that into my online course. So I, I think that's really valuable. So that, that's the big one is just, just to be aware. Uh, and everyone would have done it themselves. Everyone's probably bought a training course just sitting on the shelf for one day to get yep. to. So I, I think timing is important as well, putting deadlines on things. So the courses, I don't even want to call it a course because it's much more than that, but the solutions that I'm putting together will have a deadline. Uh, so after that time, you won't be able to get the same level of support to encourage people to get through it and actually uh, see results. So that's the first one. I can probably talk about uh, money as well, seeing as it's the 150K podcast, we could talk yeah, about definitely. that. So have a think carefully about how you price your courses would be the other bit of advice I'd give. So if for argument's sake, you're wanting to make this a full-time gig for you, and it doesn't need to be, this could be just something that adds on to your existing business. That's also something that people overlook. Why give up, uh, in my case, say digital marketing? That can be uh, the big part of the business and training might be just an add-on. Uh, and of course, even though your podcast is focused on money, not everyone listening will be interested in that either. It might just be that it's a, a free course that needs to go up as part of your work. But we're talking money for a minute. So if you're going to do a course and say sell it for $50, it's hard. It's really hard to make that work from a money perspective. So if we hit the calculator, 150000 a year, let's divide that by uh, 12 months. And then we divide that by 50 if you wanted to make 150k a year selling a $50 course, you've got to get 250 students a month yeah. onto that yeah. course. The other difficulty with that is that that many students, it's going to be impossible to support them well. Mm -hmm. So let's say uh, we go with a $1,000 course, you've only got to get 12 and a half students a month to be able to do that. And so that's what I would encourage people to do. Maybe not at first, it can take a lot of time to build a course. And so I encourage people as a first step to put up a mini course or just a very small course to get everything going and the infrastructure that surrounds online training working. 
but then to have an eventual goal of something around about that sort of mark. Maybe it's 500, maybe it's 2,000. Mm -hmm. But if eventually you've got some um, value that you can put into that and you can sell that value, then that is by far a, a better business model. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it makes sense because some people want to just make a little bit of money on the side. Some people want to, you know, not have to work for anyone else. And all, like with me, I'm doing this more so because I've actually gotten over the 150K level a few times. So I'm like, I can finally breathe. I can finally start doing what mm. I want. I want mm. other people I know to experience it. And that's why I bring people like you, Richard, and people that have done it through podcasting, people that have done it through uh, email marketing, just different things, brick and mortar businesses, just to show people different ways of how to do it. And then also people like you that have that, for lack of a better word, servant's heart to help people. So, I mean, money is not a bad thing. It's good if the person that has its character is good. So the people that want to serve and help people, I want to help them, you know, get to go and do the fun stuff and then help people. Yeah, absolutely. As I touched on before, if you're one of the lucky ones that uh, are not going through, you know, hard times at the moment, then great, forget the boat, uh, go and help someone else. Yep. And so to be in that position to have uh, more than you need is fantastic. So that, that's a big one is to get the model right up front. Definitely. Uh, another thing I can share, I guess, is to get the platform right from day one. I've gone through about four different training platform solutions. Uh, this is a little bit of a case of horses for courses, meaning that there is not one best platform uh, the best platform is the one that's best for you mm -hmm. uh, i've made the mistake of in my case the mistake of choosing a self-hosted platform so there's lots of those and there are benefits to those uh, for example thinkific teachable kajabi uh, these are names that if you started to explore online training you would have heard uh, i would equate those to the the Shopify of online training. That is, it's a, okay. it's a platform that's already built and it's relatively easy to get going. However, the cost of that is that they are quite inflexible. And so if you want to create your landing page, your sales page in such a way, sure, they've got some builders with some clever features, but they don't come close to actually having your own website solution. So in the You Can Teach uh, course, I'm going to go through my alternative to that, which is a WordPress uh, plugin solution. And I've found that to, although having a steeper learning curve, it means that uh, you've got that flexibility and you can do a lot more with it. So that's something that really does require quite a lot of planning, because if you choose a platform that you later decide wasn't right for you, oh, it's a nightmare to change. Yeah, start over. Yeah, so, yeah that, that's an important one. No, that's good. So, and it sounds like with your free course, it's what you're going to end up doing is having a option for the people that are hands-off or not as technical, but want to do a course. And then the people that want to have more hands-on, you can guide them more toward like the WordPress thing that you mentioned. Uh, to some extent. Yeah. I still would like to be pretty involved with the building of the site. So I would much rather give fantastic service to 12 and a half people a month than yeah. mediocre service to 250. So although yes, uh, people will be able to be hands-on and do it themselves. Uh, it's very much a hybrid solution where we will take care of the tricky part. No, and that's good because there's a lot of people that want to do it, but there's a lot of technical stuff that people don't realize when they think, oh, I'm going to sell stuff online. And maybe mm. they've hopped on like an Etsy or a Shopify and, you know, everything's just set up. But if you're really building a course or a brand or something online, there's a lot more involved. I would agree with you on that for sure. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've, I've found that to be the case. So, I mean, 
if I'd had my time over, we do a bit of e-commerce, as you mentioned, and mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have gone down the Shopify uh, path for the same reason. So I have used Shopify. I, I really like it in some respects, but again, the inflexibility can be hard. Yeah, because you don't, you're not able to, you have to do their rules, how they have it mm. set up. And that's it. Yep. Definitely. Cool. So we've been jamming a lot here. So we've talked about digital marketing, online courses, making sure you have a servant's heart. Even when you hit the roadblocks of life, stuff will turn around. Not using the cliche words because we don't, I'm, I'm with you. I don't like that whole cliche with that. But, um, any other party, is there anything I'm missing, like for the online digital world with, with that you that you work in that, that would be beneficial to my listeners? Uh, so we've talked about the money side. We've talked about platforms. I guess the other thing is choosing the right topic. Mm -hmm. So, and, and having the confidence to do this. I think, uh, I mean, even I fall into this trap. I keep saying, oh, I'm late to the party. There's a lot of people teaching other people how to be an online trainer. But that limiting belief uh, is absolutely that. I think we've only just scratched the surface. Uh, I, I can see lots of similarities to the early days of the web. Again, if you're old enough, you might remember that the, the web started to become mainstream probably around about 1998. And then come 2000, there was the dot-com boom followed by the dot-com bust. And I think that we're kind of in that uh, dot com boom equivalent now with online training. It is the early days. There's lots of people getting into it. Uh, I had hoped to keep this COVID free. Uh, we're all tired of that, aren't we? But yep. if you look at the world that we're now in, there are so many people frantically trying to get their training online. So there's a couple of benefits uh, to this. For those like me that are trying to make a dollar out of it, then yes, there's a, it's a big world. And so you only need a, a tiny percentage of people who like you, mm -hmm. uh, know you and trust you enough to uh, come on board with what you're offering. So there's a great opportunity there. But for corporate, uh, I think this is still a little bit overlooked. And I mean, lots of people are doing uh, their own training online now. But for those who haven't, can I encourage you to think of the costs that might be required upfront to do this as an investment rather than an expense? Mm -hmm. For example, imagine if you had to put another sales representative on, or I don't know if you use the term there, but we've, we've got a term here called a BDM, a, a business development manager. Yeah. I mean, you might be talking 60, 70, 80, 150,000 a year to put somebody like that on compared to doing your own training. It's nothing. This is such an amazing opportunity right now. Uh, and no, you are not late to the party, whether you're a yoga teacher, a dog trainer, there's a niche there that you can find. And you only need a small number of people uh, to, to make it worth your while. Yeah, no, no. And I agree with you, because I think going deep is better than going wide, especially in this, because like you said, if you had 12 people that were, you know, with whatever you're trying to teach, whether from the yoga to the dog training to sales, whatever, and they were willing to pay you a thousand dollars. And there's people out there that will, because it's just a value exchange. I mean, you can definitely make a good living off of it and still help people. And it works out well. It is just a value exchange and it's easy to sell that value. You know, some industries are harder than others. It's harder mm -hmm. to sell a thousand dollar solution for somebody who wants to learn yoga. Uh, but it's very easy say for what I do because the value in online training, I mean, it's worth potentially tens of thousands of dollars to you down mm -hmm. the track. So, uh, you don't have to do a $500 course. Uh, this might be something that just could make you an extra $20,000, $30,000 a year on top of what you're already earning. It's uh, a journey, but it's so worth it. Definitely. 
Tell them again, Richard, where they can find you. Because I know some people probably wrote it down, but just in case, maybe someone missed that part or they were driving. Sure. Uh, it's siteskills.com. And if you want to get uh, your hands on the You Can Teach uh, free training, it's going to be siteskills.com forward slash Joe. So S-I-T-E-S-K-I-L-L-S, siteskills.com. Awesome. Well, I've had a wonderful time uh, talking with you on this. Any other parting words for my podcast listeners, uh, words of wisdom, insights you'd like to, to share? I hope I get this right. Uh, the great former US tennis player, Arthur Ashe, has a great quote, and it's start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. It's a bit like that whole, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? There is a bit of a steep learning curve. If that's something that I can help flatten for you, feel free to get in touch. But uh, don't overthink it. Just take that first step. And version one is better than version none. Yes, I agree. hundred percent. Yeah, I take that to heart completely. Like we were talking uh, before, I started the podcast in June. So this is mm. definitely version one we're still in. But uh, again, I appreciate you being on the show, Richard. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone else who's listened as well to 150K Podcast, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Have a great, wonderful day until we speak again.